Midline tumors of the bladder are typically adenocarcinoma. What's the differential for these lesions? Urachus and bladder exertrophy. So bladder exertrophy and uh, urachus predisposes for adenocarcinoma. Normal hip joint space distances. The medial joint should be twice as wide as the superior aspect of the hip joint. So the medial joint is twice the width of the superior joint space. So joint space along the medial compartment is twice as the superior compartment. Differential for aggressive lytic lesion in a child, Ewing sarcoma, osteomyelitis, eosinophilic granuloma, typically uh, from Langerhans cell histiocytosis and metastatic neuroblastoma. So differential for a aggressive lytic lesion in a child, Ewing sarcoma, eosinophilic granuloma, metastatic neuroblastoma, and osteomyelitis. These is, are very important. It's important to remember them again. Differential for aggressive lytic lesion in a child, Ewing sarcoma, osteomyelitis, eosinophilic granuloma, and metastatic neuroblastoma. Reverberation artifact. This is a type of ultrasound artifact where the ultrasound beam reflects back and forth between reflective surfaces or reverberate, reverberation artifact. And because the wave is being reflected between those two surfaces, it takes longer to return to the transducer. The transducer interprets that the signal is coming from deeper structure than it actually came from. Specific type of reverberation artifact is the comet tail of artifact, which results in a short train of reverberation where not all the signal or the, the ultrasound wave returns to the transducer at once and rather you'll get uh, slow return of the ultrasound signal into the transducer and so the machine would consider that the there is reverberation or there is echogenic surfaces over a longer period of time rather than the actual surface. This is typically seen in a cholesterol cyst in adenomyomatosis where the you will see the echogenic reflector far deeper than the cholesterol crystals that we have in the adenomyomatosis in the gallbladder. Relapsing polychondritis is recurrent inflammation of the cartilaginous structures in the body. The larynx and the subglottic trachea is the most common site of involvement, particularly in the airway. And what we see on imaging is smooth tracheal and bronchial wall thickening involving the cartilaginous portions and sparing of the posterior, posterior membranous trachea. So smooth a thickening of the trachea is consistent with uh, relapse in polychondritis. Another differential would be tracheobronchopathia osteochondroplastica or TPA, TPO. So again, tracheobronchopathia osteochondroplastica, TPO. This exhibit a nodular involvement rather than the uh, smooth involvement of the uh, relapse in polychondritis and from the name relapse in polychondritis meaning it's a recurrent inflammation. So what we see on imaging we see thickening and calcifications of the anterior trachea with posterior membrane sparing this can cause narrowing uh, of the lumen. So smooth thickening involving the anterior portion as compared to tracheobronchopathia osteochondroplastica, TPO, where exhibit nodular involvement. The TPO also spares the posterior membrane. 
juxtarenal aneurysm is a aortic aneurysm less than 10 millimeter from the origin of the renal arteries. All right, ready for this? Differential for UIP, so usual interstitial pneumonia. Differential for it, most common etiology is IPF or idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And then other factors are less common, but include rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, asbestosis, end-stage hypersensitivity pneumonitis, and end-stage sarcoidosis. So UIP, uh, most common cause is IPF, but can also be seen due to rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, asbestosis, end-stage hypersensitivity pneumonitis, and end-stage sarcoidosis. Again, differential for UIP include most commonly IPF, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, asbestosis, end-stage hypersensitivity pneumonitis, and end-stage sarcoidosis. Fetal manifestation of meconium complication. We have meconium alias, which we know about meconium peritonitis, which is bowel perforation in utero, result in spillage of meconium into the peritoneal cavity and leads to peritoneal adhesions and dystrophic calcifications within the peritoneum cavity. We see this as calcifications in the peritoneum in a newborn on x-ray and meconium pseudocyst, finally. These are cystic abdominal structures with peripheral calcification representing walled-off bowel perforation. And is a sequela of meconium peritonitis. So again, meconium ileus, meconium peritonitis, and meconium pseudocyst is manifestation of uh, meconium in newborn. Imaging features of medulloblastoma. So roof of the fourth ventricle in children aged 5 to 9 years old. It's a fast-growing tumor, can present with cerebellar ataxia. Image feature include diffusion restrictions, T1 hypo-intense, T2 variable flare hyper-intense, and enhances heterogeneously with contrast material and demonstrate leptomeningeal enhancement. Again, Imaging features mainly diffusion restriction, uh, T1 hyperintense, and heterogeneous enhancement with leptomeningeal enhancement. Again, these are the features of medulloblastoma. Risk factors for development of gallbladder cancer, so chronic inflammation, so chronic gallstones or chronic cystitis, porcelain gallbladder, which is sequel of chronic inflammation, primary sclerosing cholangitis, inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis more so than Crohn's disease, and adenomatous polyp that is greater than 10 millimeter. So chronic inflammation in general, inflammatory bowel disease, particularly ulcerative colitis, primary sclerosing cholangitis, and adenomatous polyp. These are all risk factors for gallbladder cancer. Imaging features of primary CNS lymphoma. So primary CNS lymphoma, typically hyperdense periventricular lesion on CT scan with T2 low signal. This is due to hypercellularity and diffusion restriction. Now, there are two types, as we said. There's primary CNS lymphoma and systemic lymphoma that metastasizes to the brain. Primary CNS lymphoma does not involve the meninges, so it stays central in the brain parenchyma. The systemic lymphoma involves the pachymeninge and leptomeninges, and uh, would present, again, so systemic lymphoma involves the meninges. Primary lymphoma does not involve the meninges. It's a solitary 
or multiple brain masses, hyperdense on CT scan, T2 dark signal, and diffusion restriction. What's TVAR or thoracic endovascular aortic repair? So it's repair of the aorta as opposed to TAVR, which is transcatheter aortic valve replacement. So TVAR and TAVR are different. TAVR is transcatheter aortic valve replacement. TVAR is thoracic endovascular aortic repair. Imaging appearance of medullary sponge kidney. It's tubular ectoasia with associated calcifications in the uh, renal medullary pyramid. So calcifications in the renal medullary pyramid as well as tubular ectasia is the typical imaging manifestation of medullary sponge kidney. These findings, while uh, look concerning on CT scan and ultrasound, are can be asymptomatic. For breast imaging, define developing asymmetry. Developing asymmetry is focal asymmetry that is new, larger, or more conspicuous than previous examinations. Approximately 15% of developing asymmetry are found to be malignant. Now, we said developing asymmetry is focal asymmetry that is new, larger, or more conspicuous. But what is focal asymmetry? Focal asymmetry is asymmetry that is present in two views. So, CC, MLO, or any two-view configuration. Common tracheal manifestation of Wagner granulomatosis. It manifests as subglottic tracheal stenosis with circumferential mucosal thickening. Now, we typically said a lot of the tracheal pathology spares the membranous portion because they involve cartilaginous process. Wegner's granulomatosis involves the entire circumferential wall of the trachea with mucosal thickening and subglottic tracheal stenosis. Images or imaging manifestation of Paget's disease in the pelvis. What we see asymmetrical coarse trabecular thickening and thickening of the iliopectineal and ileoischial line. Additionally, we may see acetabular petrusia. So, Paget's disease in the pelvis, asymmetric coarse trabecular thickening uh, with thickening of the iliopectineal and ileoischial lines and possible acetabular petrusia. What are some features of leiomyoma that would be concerning for leiomyosarcoma? Typically, leiomyosarcoma is seen in postmenopausal women, can be seen in premenopausal, but the borders of the leiomyosarcoma would be nodular, often restricts on diffusion with low ADC values, and adjacent tissue involvement. Typically, it is a solitary lesion greater than 10 centimeter with inhomogeneous T2 areas, and it would be hypervascular, which Typically, leiomyosarcoma is variable in vascularity with peripheral early enhancement and central necrosis. These are features suggestive of leiomyosarcoma. In reality, evaluation is extremely difficult, but having these features in a leiomyoma would be worrisome for leiomyosarcoma. Most common primary cardiac malignancy. Now, these questions are, are very tricky, so we have to focus on what they're asking. So, primary cardiac malignancy. Most common is cardiac angiosarcoma. Again, so it's a primary malignancy. They did not ask the pericardium. They asked about the cardiac, primary cardiac malignancy. So most common primary cardiac malignancy in adult is cardiac angiosarcoma. Typically, it involves the right atrium more than the left atrium. Differential diagnosis for low attenuating mesenteric lymph nodes.
Differential for mesenteric lymph nodes that are low attenuating on CT scan include TB, Whipple's disease, treated lymphoma, and cavitating mesenteric lymph node syndrome. With this lymph, lymph node syndrome, what we see is obviously cavitating lymph node with fat fluid level, and the way you think of it is there's chylus, which is typically fatty, and you'll get fat fluid level in those lymph nodes. Again, differential for low attenuating mesenteric lymph node, TP, TB, Whipple's disease, treated lymphoma, CML, and S, cavitating mesenteric lymph node syndrome. MRI findings in pericardial constriction. So pericardial constriction MRI finding include thickening of the pericardium greater than six millimeter, tethering of the tags where the tags stay as squares and they do not change, ventricular septal flattening with inspiration, otherwise ventricular interdependence, and diastolic bounce of the septum. Again, pericardial constriction imaging feature on MRI include thickening of the pericardium greater than 6 millimeter, tethering of the tags, ventricular septal flattening with inspiration, otherwise known as ventricular interdependence, and diastolic bounce of the septum. What are the hepatic siderotic nodules? These are uh, hepatic equivalent of gamma Gandhi bodies. What are the gamma Gandhi bodies? These are also known as splenic siderotic nodules. These are nodules seen in portal hypertension and result from microhemorrhages resulting in hemocedrin and calcium deposition by, uh, followed by fibroblastic reaction. So in portal hypertension, we get microhemorrhages and hemocedrin and calcium deposition, which triggers fibroblastic reaction. These shows as on ultrasound as echogenic nodules known as uh, in the spleen, gamma gamma Gandhi bodies or splenic siderotic nodules. In the liver, they're known as hepatic siderotic nodules.